This is the Fertility Hour, where couples learn how to improve their fertility naturally. Join Charlene Lincoln as she interviews leading experts in the fields of natural fertility, holistic medicine, and preconception care. Fertility Hour is where you'll find evidence-based strategies, tips, and resources to help you when trying to conceive. And now, here's Charlene Lincoln. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Hour. I'm your host, Charlene Lincoln, and today we have a very special guest, our own Dr. Eva Keen. Eva Keen is an accredited naturopathic physician and natural fertility specialist with a master's in reproductive medicine based in Verbier, Switzerland. Eva and her team have developed award-winning natural fertility programs since 2007. She has helped hundreds of previously infertile couples have children with her prescriptive natural approach that's tailored to each couple's case and condition. In 2013, Eva was named by Women's Health Magazine as one of 15 women who will change your health. She's also been featured on the Wellness Hour, Macola.com, Pregnancy Corner, and many other health and fertility publications. So welcome, uh, Eva. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Charlene. Thank you so much for having me. Thank thank you. For the introduction. Sure. Um, And... And obviously, I'm a huge fan of Eva, and I've said this before because I've interviewed her a few times. Um, you know, I felt like she was very pivotal in helping me get pregnant at 41, give birth to my daughter at 42, so I'm eternally grateful. And obviously, I'm just a big fan of of what she does. I really believe in, I guess, your message and, um, and how you're helping couples all around the world. So uh, I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And... Um... Yes, thank you for the opportunity to be here today and discuss some um, cases with you. Okay, great. Um, I love that. So are these, these are real life case studies, um, real life clients case. that you're helping? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. This is, this is cool because this is stuff that's happening every day um, to couples and um, we'll see how you're, you're helping them and how you kind of assess these different situations. Sure. Yeah. So I, I thought, you know, we can just look over a few when you told me to, you know, um, prepare a couple. It was really hard <laughs> to choose. So I've got a, a, a selection of cases here so that you can um, understand better how the program works in different situations. So in the first case, um, we're going to look at um, this couple was struggling to get pregnant for two years before they came to see me. She was um, 33 at the time and he was 32. Um, They had one failed ICSI procedure year before they came to see me and he was diagnosed with poor sperm um, quality, so poor sperm morphology, also low sperm count and poor sperm um, motility is morphology in fact was one percent which is very low using the latest world health organization um, charts where you need to have at least four percent um, for the sperm to be normal um, so this is what they were presenting with um, they had a really healthy diet and i think this is important to highlight because we do have lots of people who contact us asking you know saying like oh i'm really eating healthily why am i not getting pregnant if you know diet is so important then that should be enough 
And I think this case really illustrates that that's not always the case. Um, in spite of their healthy diet, they both enjoyed coffee and they tended to have one to three cups a day. 80% um, of their food was organic, which is fantastic. And um, they stopped drinking alcohol, but um, in the past they used to enjoy quite a bit. And also they liked tinned tuna, which we know is a source of mercury. So that was not something they were aware of. Um, and in terms of their lifestyle, um, she stopped smoking three years prior to starting work with us. So history of smoking means that there are potentially some heavy metals present in the systems that needs to be assessed first to see if a chelation protocol may be required. Um, they also traveled a lot for work, so they were exposed to quite a bit of radiation and they also had lots of x-rays and MRIs for various incidents and accidents in the past. So these two had to be accounted for. So they, um, started a program and first we had to do some investigations. We discovered that they did have some genetic polymorphisms that had to be addressed. And unfortunately, you know, I'm yet to see one genetic report where a person has everything in green. So there's, you know, no genetic mutation present. Um, and um, they did the hair mineral analysis to assess for heavy metal toxicities. We also looked at food intolerances and, um, and they you know, implemented everything. Um, I must say this couple was really diligent. I have never seen anyone follow the program this closely. Um, they actually got pregnant. So they came to see me in January, 2014. They were pregnant in June, 2014 and unfortunately miscarried um, in August 2014, which of course for them was devastating. And so they had decided to plan another ICSI because they thought, well, this is our only chance. And I had advised them to wait for a few months before, after the miscarriage, before, you know, trying to get pregnant again, either naturally or via ICSI. And, um, and then they actually contacted me in December 2014 to say that they were pregnant again and um, six weeks later they had a first scan and there were two heartbeats mm. and um, in September 2015 they um, had two twins so well a boy and a girl so twins and um, and they didn't end up using ICSI which is fantastic but um, this case stuck with me especially because I remember how disappointed they were um, and they also did quite a few sperm analysis along the way to just measure the improvements. And it, there were improvements, but they were just more incremental improvements. And they found that, you know, really frustrating. And I think it's important to point out that when you're using natural methods, they're really gentle and they do work but they work with the body, you know, and it's not a fast, um, you don't get a fast result. Like if you go for IVF where they use drugs and they can time everything and control everything. And, you know, you, you have your results pretty quickly. So, you know, it pays to be patient and to, you know, stick to the program and the body is self healing and self repairing. Um, well, congratulations to them. And 
I'm curious with the heavy metal test, what did that indicate? Um, there were no elevated metals. So at that point okay. in time, we did not need to do any, um, any chelation. So, and since she had quit smoking, you know, she was not going to start up again. So it means that, um, you know, she was, she was obviously doing lots of other good things so that the body was able to clean itself from the metals um, that you do get from the cigarettes and cigarettes contain, you know, for, one cigarette, I, I think contains like 4,000 different chemicals. And out of those you have, you have all the toxic metals in there. So, right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious with, when he would get his sperm analysis, would he get a, a, a sperm, a DNA fragmentation test, or is it a different test um, that you recommend? Um, that depends on the lab, but we do ask for um, for DNA fragmentation, and we also ask for sperm antibodies. So a lot of the clinics will first just do the regular sperm analysis, and then if there are abnormalities there, they'll start looking for DNA fragmentation and for sperm antibodies. But you know, we we like to get all this information from the start, so we know how to tailor the treatment. Okay, and, and one last question. Um, I was told to really get a thorough sperm analysis that, that you should go to an IVF clinic because they're the ones that kind of do this protocol on a daily basis. So. Yeah, I, I think it's important that you, you, know, that you get your sperm analyzed um, at a proper clinic. There, I mean, there are lots of, you know, um, there are lots of services that are offering sperm analysis and home tests and so on but i think it's crucial that you go to a place where they can really look after the sample so the sample doesn't get damaged or contaminated or doesn't expire and then you get false results okay all right um thank you so ready for the next one pleasure all right so the next case um so this couple came to see me in march 2014 so I've selected cases where, you know, babies have been born and are doing great. So um, uh, she was 41 at a time and he was 38 at a time. Um, they were diagnosed with secondary infer infertility and they've been trying to get pregnant for a couple of years before they came to see us. Um, they also had history of ICSI procedures, so they had two ICSI procedures and also um, one miscarriage from a natural pregnancy. Um, they had more treatments planned, but would have preferred not to use them. Um, she had lots of different um, antibodies that can cause miscarriages, like anti-cardiolipin antibodies, she had elevated NK cells, um, and uh, also um, the embryos when she did the ICSI procedures showed DNA fragmentation. So they said that this has to do with the poor egg quality. So before going further um, with you know more procedures, they wanted to optimize the egg quality and address the immune system so that this is not going to be an issue again. Um, so before we did anything, first thing we did was to check for genetic polymorphism and she did have very poor methylation, which was um, predisposing her liver 
to accumulating toxins and not being able to detox properly. And when that happens in a person, the immune system gets involved to kind of help with the cleanup process, but the immune system can only use the only tool it has, which is to produce antibodies to fight and defend. Um, and um, so with this um, case, what we did also is change a lot in their diet and in their lifestyle. They also used to drink a lot of coffee with sugar. Um, so that, you know, white sugar, um, 60% of the diet was organic. So not, you know, still better than nothing, but could, could have been better. Um, they were also having lots of sugary type breakfasts in the morning, which we don't recommend. And, um, and he was just drinking beer. So she was off alcohol um, and in addition to that they were using just regular cleaning products regular personal care products which we know contain lots of chemicals that can disrupt hormonal balance and can also um, you know predispose to miscarriages and uh, interfere with sperm production as well her TSH as well was elevated it was over two and her AMH was 1.46, which is also, you know, considered low. Um, the sperm was okay. It wasn't, you know, um, sperm donor quality, but it was considered okay by the, um, by the clinics. So they got pregnant um, in June 2014, so three months into the program and they had a healthy baby boy born in Feb um, 2015 and um, they didn't end up using the second IVF so she was 41 at the time of um, her son's birth and again you know uh, by making all the dietary and lifestyle changes supporting the egg health with the supplements as well as working on the immune system and there we also had to do food intolerance tests remove all the foods she was intolerant to check for heavy metal toxicity, address the methylation, um, support the hormonal balance. And when all of this was in place, they were able to get pregnant naturally. So, um, so yeah. So, so in that case, it really, a, a lot of the attention was on her. Obviously there wasn't anything that really stood out for him, except he had to make some lifestyle changes, um, well, giving up the beer yeah, lifestyle changes as well as supplements. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we support in every couple, you know, ju just making sure that they all get um, the nutritional baseline. So all the key nutrients that you need for good quality egg and sperm need to be there. Um, and then on top of that, you know, supporting the hormonal balance in both. This is to ensure that th the body is able to produce good quality eggs and sperm. And then on top of that, you know, if there are DNA issues or um, if there are morphology issues, we need to use specific herbs and nutrients to address that as well. So, um, yeah, so that was the second case. Okay. So I can move on to the third one. Um, okay, so this couple is very dear to my heart. Um, because I've been working with them um, for, well, I, 
you know, we, we, we connected in 2015, but they stayed in touch and they have used the program also for subsequent pregnancies and they kept me informed about that. Um, so that, that's really sweet. So, um, so this couple, um, as I said, came to see me also in January 2015. At that time, she was 39 and he was 48. Um, she had a history of miscarriages, ovarian cysts. Um, she was diagnosed or they were diagnosed with secondary infertility. So they had one child. Um, delivered uh, with a C-section and then she had a um, couple of miscarriages following um, that and one chemical pregnancy and um, we checked for her um, antibodies which can predispose to miscarriages and they were all negative which was great but the question was you know what was going on why can't they um, get pregnant um, in terms of their diet and the lifestyle, again, coffee features there. Um, they also enjoyed some Coca-Cola, which also contains caffeine and lots of sugar. And I don't think many people are aware of that. So the soda drinks. 50% um, of the diet was organic and um, the diet was okay. They, there was, they were still consuming gluten. They were consuming dairy. So that had to be adjusted. Um, and it turned out that she had a wheat and gluten intolerance, which was quite strong. Um, in terms of the pollution exposure, they were drinking unfiltered water, which we don't recommend. They were also using, um, or she was using hair color, but they were also working with some of the chemicals. It was their occupation. Um, and they had lots of electromagnetic uh, radiation around them and they used insecticides because of the location. They were living in a, in a subtropical country. So, you know, lots of insects and uh, it's difficult not to just use nothing there. So we had to um, give them suggestions for natural pesticides, which are not going to be harming their health and fertility. They had to really remove all of these chemicals from their environment. Um, in terms of the general health, they have represented with some uh, liver issues, uh, gallbladder issues. Um, there were some uh, metabolic issues as well and immune issues. So these two had to be addressed before they could start um, trying to get pregnant. Um, and they um, got pregnant in March, so three months into the program as well of the same year and had a healthy baby girl. So this is after a series of miscarriages and, um, and chemical pregnancies. And so, yeah, so what we had to do there is first of all, clean up the diet, and especially for her, given that she had gluten and wheat intolerance she wasn't aware of, because she thought that um, surely I would know. Every time I eat a piece of bread or a slice of pizza, I would be running for the bathroom, you know, or I'd have severe symptoms, but she had no, um, no symptoms, so she didn't know. And uh, by taking that out, she just improved her her health and fertility and obviously the immune reaction and response 
Um, and that plus all the other supplements uh, we prescribed and removal of all the chemicals from their environment has enabled them to have a healthy child. And like I said, they kept using the program after for more children. That's great. I mean, and, and that's a, a good point about food intolerances. I mean, people sort of confuse food intolerances with allergies. So they think that if they eat a certain food, you know, and they're allergic to it, uh, they would have like, um, just an, as an example, like a rash around the mouth or maybe um, tongue swelling or something that's quite severe that would capture your attention. But it, but it can be quite subtle, right? And you, and, and you wouldn't really know until you completely omit that food that you're not feeling your best, but you're just so used to it because you've probably been eating that food since, you know, you were a toddler, um, especially wheat and gluten nuts and everything. So that's interesting. And you bring up about the Coca-Cola. Um, I mean, here in America, even though soda consumption is probably quite high, I think most of us are aware that there's tons of refined sugar and caffeine. I, I think that message is, I don't know, I, I would be surprised if people really didn't know that. It's uh, maybe you choose to not think that it's that bad or whatever. I think one um, and, and Coke, I think depending on the country, they, they make a little bit different formula, but here it's like one can of Coca-Cola, I think has like 35 grams of sugar. I think that's 10, like 10 plus teaspoons of white sugar, um, mm. which is crazy because sometimes people drink those or they drink the diet Coke, which has the artificial sweetener, um, thinking yeah. maybe that that's a better alternative. So well, I mean, you still see, you know, when you go to restaurants, you still see so many tables with Coca-Cola and kids drinking it, you know. So I know. With sugar. <clears throat> yeah. Being served up to them. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, even though some people may be aware, it's quite interesting that you uh -huh. do still come across people who smoke or, you know, drink Coca-Cola or soda drinks. And um, even though a huge proportion of our clients are very health conscious people. They are, you know, um, eating organic food. They, they don't have sugar. They are caffeine free, alcohol free. There's still those who do mm -hmm. enjoy um, those other things. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the insecticide because um, I think that, you know, there's people also who have, um, lawns and they don't necessarily use insecticides, but they have gardeners come and maintain their lawns. And if, you know, I've gone to friends' houses, they have these beautiful lawns and you think, I don't think that that gardener is using natural stuff. I mean, they're using things like Roundup and, and things to control the weeds, which it is effective in controlling the weeds, but um, people just aren't applying it themselves but you are exposed to it. So that's something, you know, you might want to ask the person who's taking care of your garden. If you, if that's not you, I went to Croatia a couple summers ago. I was a little bit horrified when we went to a friend's house and she had plug-in raid plugins. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I mean, I had my baby there. I was like, I can't even be in this house. And like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, but it seemed, it's totally normal there. It, it is in, uh, yeah, especially, you know, on the islands um, in the summer because you just get so many mosquitoes and you also get those scary tiger mosquitoes, they say, that can carry all sorts of diseases because they come over from Africa. So, um, right. you know, people are just 
scared of being bitten by them and um and then they yeah i know they they plug in these nasty um pesticides and um i, I mean i know you know I've, I've seen my dad do it once but when i had my daughter there is no way we we just use the net a cot net mm -hmm. and get her room just always you know, in the dark and some natural uh repellents and that was fine yeah, the natural repellents actually work quite effectively. Um, so, yeah. so thank goodness for that. And they're safe. And you know, always think about what else can you use. I mean, those nets are pretty, you know, effective. Oh yeah. You get a net for the pram or for the cot or even for your bed. You just hang it above, you know, from the ceiling, and they're fine. Those are very effective. I've been in mosquito infested areas and as long as you have your net, you feel safe. But also the natural repellents during the day or in the when it's dusk and the mosquitoes yeah. come out to feed on you. Um, I've had really good luck with the natural repellents. So, oh, good. Yeah. yeah. yeah likewise, good, good experience. Um, all right, so moving on to the next case. Um, okay, this couple actually lived in Africa. Um, so they lived in, in uh, you know, in an area with lots of mosquitoes and other bugs. So they were using quite a few um, um, pesticides, insecticides. And um, at the time when they came to see me, um, she was 42 and he was 46. Um, he had varicocele surgery. He also had um, a testicle reconstruction after a, um, an accident and that has actually really impaired um, his testis ability to produce good quality sperm, which was tricky from the onset. Um, they started trying to get pregnant four years before seeing me. She's been using um, progesterone suppositories. Um, she did have one miscarriage, so natural conception, um, a few years before seeing us. And um, doctors were not really sure whether she had the polycystic ovaries or not. Um, there was also history of malaria so he had malaria in the past and you know the treatment for malaria and so, some of the malaria um, prevention medication is basically pesticides that's what they use larium for example is you know low dose pesticide mm -hmm. and um, and I, I you know when I was 18 I traveled to a place where malaria was common and so I took it because I hadn't you know back then I had no idea about what's in these drugs I just followed the recommendations and I had horrible side effects and it was only later when I started naturopathy and we we got to you know pharmacology and started looking at malaria drugs that I realized that everything that was happening to me post larium use was the side effects of this drug but I had no idea and all these symptoms that I had, no one really knew what was going on. So it's, you know, it's a nasty drug, not to mention that, you know, it's a, like any other pesticide, it just wreaks your hormones. It causes complete chaos. So, but when you live in a place like that, it's very difficult because, you know, you don't want to have malaria and you don't want to be treated for it all the time either. So, 
Um, okay, so they had, um, on top of all of that, as if that was not enough, they had elevated mercury and al aluminum. That was him as well. And um, she also had Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition. So she was hyperthyroid, but she was swinging back and forth between hyper and hypo, which made it very difficult for the doctor to treat it with thyroid medication. Um, and also because of where they lived, it was very difficult for them to get all the tests done and to go you know, to the closest European country um, for investigations and... Um, so that was another hurdle to overcome. Um, in terms of their diet, they were consuming a lot of tuna as well, which probably explains for some of the mercury that was found um, in the hair. Um, they also enjoyed um, you know, a few glasses of wine. They were drinking coffee. They were eating no fruit, so no fruit whatsoever. Uh, which is not ideal. I mean, you shouldn't overindulge in fruit because of the fructose, but you also need some, especially the low GI variety. Um, and then on top of that, they had the usual exposure to wireless, um, you know, use of computers, use of cell phones. And, um, and that, um, they, that they were the highlights of their case. Now, um, here too, we had to, first of all, deal with the toxic metals. Um, then before we could uh, tackle the toxic metals, we had to make sure the methylation pathways were working. So we did the genetic screen for that, um, for genetic polymorphisms, because if your methylation is not working and you force your body into a detox, that just makes it worse because you know, it's like if you have a bottleneck and you're pouring more and more stuff into that, well, it's not going to make it go anywhere, is it? It's just piling up and creating more of a bottleneck. So we had to make sure methylation works first. Then um, we had to optimize the egg quality and the sperm quality as much as we could. However, for him, it was very difficult to um, follow the program because of his work. He was just traveling um all the time and it was you know very difficult to for them even to be together around the time of ovulation so they decided that they would use ivf from the start um and they had a you know they had some sperm frozen so they actually conceived in march 2015 so they came to see me in january 2014 first time so it took him a while but they had a, um, a healthy baby girl born in December 2015 so it's been quite a journey for them it was a conception with IVF um, but all the preparation they did has helped with that outcome and um, yeah I'm, I'm not sure if they still live in that same part of the world which they really enjoyed but yeah um, so a, a slightly different case. Mm. And uh, here we really had to focus on the antibodies. So we did extensive thyroid antibody work, um, thyroid function work, um, which actually improved once the heavy metals had been dealt with and population had improved. They're, they're so fortunate that they did that work because, I mean, obviously IVF clinics aren't going to do 
you know, aren't going to check the, the heavy metals and um, do a, a gene report and find out about methylation cycles. And so, I mean, I think that's where a lot of couples and I know, um, you, you know, they come to you and say, oh, I've gone, you know, I've had four or five failed IVF cycles at this point. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. not, that's commonplace, right? It's, that's not rare. Um, no, not, not at all. I mean, um, we, we, we do see it a lot because, you know, they're just told, okay, well, most likely the first cycle won't work. That's what mm -hmm. everyone gets told because, you know, the doctor is also trying to get to know, but get to know you and your body and see how your body's reacting to different drugs. So they can then adjust the protocol for the next cycle. And so they, you know, they fine tune it and then your chances increase. And then, you know, they say, oh, actually we need to do this next time. And so it's through this fine tuning process that in the end they, they get it right. And um, so it's very difficult to, you know, to do that from the onset. And, but for this couple, it, you know, it, it, it worked because they just really worked hard on improving their egg and sperm quality. I mean, I know that this lady flew to Spain with an empty suitcase to buy, you know, frozen organic meat and veg mm. to bring back to Africa because it was just not available there um, so that they can eat healthy food. Um, same with, you know, personal care products, cosmetics. I mean, that's dedication. She had to go there anyway for her work, but at the same time, you know, to, to, to work at it so hard and to really try and implement as much as you can is um, commendable. And, you know, I always admire couples like that who, who really, really try, you know, to make, to make it work and, and they work really hard from their end um, and then they get the results. I'm super happy. Oh, and I know. I love their commitment and um, it paid off obviously. So yeah. that's great. So as you can see, you can also use the program um, to help with IVF as mm. an IVF, you know, IVF prep um, if you have to use it. So the, um, the next case um, is a case of sperm antibodies. And I think it's important to bring this up because it does happen a lot. We do see it a lot. And unfortunately, um, you know, the, the opinion um, but the experts is that there's nothing much you can do about it. You need to use ICSI. You need to get the sperm washed. You basically need to wash all the antibodies away, and then you can use that sperm for um, ICSI. However, you know if the if the antibodies are interfering with spermatogenesis, so the maturation of the sperm over the course of its um, um, maturation time, which is 76 to 90 days, then you got to wonder about the quality of that sperm, even if the antibodies washed away physically, you know, what scarring did it leave behind because it was attacking it for three months. Mm -hmm. So how well could it develop if it has been under constant attack? Plus, if your immune system is in overdrive because it's fighting something, then your adrenals you know, are working really hard to support that. So the whole body is just drained, depleted of energy and, and nutrients. So you got to wonder about that too, and how well, you know, those cells have been nourished. So in any case, um, this couple came to see me in 2016 in July. At the time, um, he was 36, she was 37. Um, he had 
um, very high DNA fragmentation. He also had a high white cell count. Um, and he had a really, you know, chronic genital inflammation and infection, which has caused um, the, the fragmentation, so damage to the, to the sperm. Um, and he was put on 60 days, uh, on antibiotics for 60 days and anti-inflammatories. Now that's a very, very long time. Um, this has obviously had a really negative impact on his digestive system, his stomach. He developed also candida um, and has made his hay fever um, and asthma a lot worse. So he had that atopic predisposition there already. After he had finished the uh, antibiotics, um, six weeks after he had a, another sperm analysis and everything was worse, but this time he also had 72% anti-sperm antibodies. So that's very high. Um, so now, you know, the infection was gone, but the, um, because he had such a, you know, long standing infection that went undetected, his immune system rather than just destroying the bacteria, started destroying the sperm as well, because the bacteria was attaching, uh, was attacking the sperm and interfering with the sperm. So now we had to, first of all, look at what else is upsetting this immune system. So if someone already has asthma and hay fever, it means that you know, their immune system doesn't like lots of things and is very quick to attack its own tissue. So you have to be very strict there and you have to remove everything that the person is intolerant to. So the, you know, the usual offenders are gluten and dairy. Um, and then we also had to work on the adrenal health. Um, we had to support his stress levels, which were extremely high um, from his work. Um, and he was also smoking four cigarettes uh, per week. So it wasn't you know, daily but still cigarette smoke is not ideal. And in fact, I've now had a couple of um, couples who were told by the IVF clinics that they will not do an IVF on them unless they quit smoking and they're no longer nicotine patches. That's, that's how strict they've gotten now because obviously they can see there's such a huge correlation between smoking and the sperm quality. Um, and she would have less than a cigarette a week, I guess, just to keep him company from time to time. So, you know, that had to go straight away, uh, including all the alcohol um, and coffee, which they both enjoyed. Um, but they were eating 80% organic food, which is good. So that was kind of, you know, providing the counterbalance um, to what was going on. So um, he was put on... Um, antibodies protocol, um, supporting sperm production, as well as boosting testosterone. Um, we also supported the immune system and the liver because they really did drink a lot. Um, and they had to stop smoking and start doing some meditation and some yoga just to find that balance in life. And especially due to the really high stress levels. Um, so they got pregnant naturally in May, 2017. So they came to see me in July, 2016. So, um, you know, it was, it was more than, um, it was 10 months really. 
before they got pregnant and um and yeah so you know when, when you're dealing with the immune system it does take minimum of six months to address it because it takes six months for the immunocomplexes to break down so it's not a quick fix but his sperm analysis after the six months was normal and there were no sperm antibodies present so the body had corrected itself but that's how long he had to you know um, do the program for um, and you know it's, it's just important again that you remember with with the natural approach it takes time it's not a quick fix it doesn't take an eternity but you know the four months is a bare minimum um, most couples get pregnant somewhere between six months to a year that's where we see most pregnancies occur um, and you know some can happen also sooner but yeah it's important that um you you bear that in mind that when you're doing a natural program you know you you were you are doing it for longer than just one cycle i mean if you really think about it one year is a quick timeline i mean especially with it just seems like all the couples that you are dealing with because we review the case studies or questions come in on um, the webinar. I mean, these are really complex cases. This is years of, of different imbalances going on. And I mean, the gentleman that the, the inflammatory groin disease, is that kind of a, was that kind of a rare thing or is that happened for men? Well, he, he just had a bacteria in there, you know, chronic mm. low grade infection that wasn't, um, you know, strong enough for him to have fever and general malaise, but he mm. was just, you know, when you have something for a long time, you know, humans are very adaptable. You just get used to being a certain way. He was symptomatic and, though. He knew that, that that something was going on that he sought medical help for. Yeah, he, okay. he had, I guess when, this, when they started trying to get pregnant, oh, I see. sperm analysis, and that's when this came up. I um, see. So they, they knew they had to, you know, they had to address it. Um, and luckily they did because, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned previously, the antibodies can, you know, really damage the sperm as well. So just washing them away may not be enough. Um, mm. case. Right. I love, um, I loved being educated on that because I know that a lot of people feel that way. Well, you know, the IVF clinics can do so much with the sperm, but like you said, um, if antibodies have been attacking the sperm for, you know, who knows how long there's going to be damage to it. Um, and also I love how you brought up the, the mind body connection, how they did yoga and meditation. I know that that's part of your program and um, obviously the mind body connection, um, there's more and more evidence how important that is. It's super important. I think, you know, if you speak to any of the spiritual leaders, um, you know, they say meditation, daily meditation is really the key to your optimal health and, um, you know, well-being, but also to find that, you know, depends on, each person's different. Some people have that, you know, spiritual side to them or, you know, are questioning things and are thinking about things from a different perspective rather just, you know, the physical plane and 
the physical interactions and you know wondering about life where it comes from you know what happens after we die and you know people who ask themselves those sort of questions are kind of more open to exploring that world and and getting some answers for themselves and um but yeah um you know meditation is fantastic i i do tm and it really makes a huge difference um when i do meditate and then you know days where i I don't have time or I tell myself I don't have time <laughs> need to prioritize it um do we have time for some more cases well yeah I mean I, I think at least one more okay oh tough decision all right I'll go I'll go with this one all right so this couple um came to see me in 2016 and they've been trying for three years to get pregnant um she was 35 at a time he was 37 at a time um she was diagnosed with endometriosis low progesterone she had irregular cycles she had low amh um they had uh, one child from before so it was secondary infertility then she had a miscarriage at eight weeks um, in the past. And then also history of cysts and polyps. Um, she had a failed IVF and her tubes were luckily clear. So there was no issues there. She had quite a few surgeries to remove endometrial um, adhesions. So the, the, the adhesions from the endometriosis, and she also had lots of large cysts surgically removed. Um, so a lot, a lot was going on for her there. Um, she, he had Gilbert's syndrome, which is a, a liver condition. Um, and uh, this is actually one case where her AMH went up after doing the program. Um, so it went up in um, five months from 1.1 to 4.0. So that was actually quite a big jump. Um, and she was taking quite a few supplements um, to, to help with that. And we also supplemented with DHEA for her um, to get all her hormones balanced. And in terms of pollution, they were using microwave ovens daily, which is not something we recommend. Um, also hair color, there was lots of plastic um, in their home and at work. And um, she had been exposed to a lot of fresh paint because she decided to paint the house. They were also drinking unfiltered um, water and they were using termite pesticides, which are really nasty. And I had worked with a, another couple um, who used also termite pesticides and actually they could not hold on to their pregnancy until they moved to a different mm. place where they were not exposed to termite pesticides and then they were able to have a healthy pregnancy. That's how powerful it is. Um, and there was also history of smoking cigarettes, see? So it, it's still around, even though most people don't. So um, let's see, was there anything else um, that stood out? So hay fever um, with uh, breakouts in rashes and um, blisters for her. So again, the immune system was in quite overdrive there. 
Um, thyroid was fine. Um, sperm was actually fine too. And uh, the cycles were very irregular. So it was very difficult for her to pinpoint when she's ovulating and natural conception was quite difficult. Um, so they did a program and um, five months later, they got pregnant and then they had um, a beautiful baby boy who she actually shared her story with us and you can read her story uh, on the success stories on our website. Um, so the boy was born July 2017. Um, so five months on the program, that's how long it took for that AMH to shift and also for um, her cycle to regulate and um, body to be, you know, to bring everything back into balance. And she was really worried because both her sister and her mother had an early menopause. So she was concerned that that would be the case for her too. So at a time she was 35 and her mother went into an early menopause at 38. So, um, yeah, it is when, early. yeah, when that happens in families, you do really worry a sure. lot. Um, a quick question about the termite pesticide, because here in the United States, um, I, I'm not a termite expert, but it seems like if you have termites, they do a thing called tenting your house. My mother-in-law had it, and then they fill the house with chemicals, and then they tell you with all confidence that when they remove the tent, um, your your house is fine. You can kind of move back in. Was that the situation, or was it like uh, they do some like self-application of it? It all seems kind of sketchy to me, um, but they tell you that it they tell customers it's fine. You're, you know, you're no, you know, it's not harmful to you once it airs out. I know they, they fumigate places. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe in that case, you know, it is something that just kills on contact and then it's gone. <clears throat> I'm not really hundred percent sure. Right. But, um, I know that all those other pesticides you have where, which act as, um, you know, surface sprays, which are still active three months later. You mm. really got to worry about those because mm. you forget that you spray your kitchen with that. And then you walk around barefoot and actually, you know, the, the feet can absorb things very mm. quickly. I mean, do it, do a test one night, put a drop of peppermint oil on your foot and wait to see how quickly you'll taste it in your mouth. It's quite incredible. So, you know, that, that's a, just a quick test to show you how quickly a chemical can travel from your foot to basically a whole system for you to be able to taste it in your mouth. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we, um, well, we covered some great case studies. Uh, I learned a lot, yeah. Maybe we can um, have a part two, and because I know you have probably hundreds of case studies that we could discuss. They're really interesting. And um, I love how you're able to kind of dissect things. I mean, I don't, I just don't know anyone personally who goes in that much depth to really to kind of understand everything that's going on with an individual. But I guess just over the last decade or so, you've just seen so many different cases, you kind of know what to hone in on. And isn't it you do, um, when someone starts working with you, they fill out a, a diagnostic form, and it's over 150 different health and, and data points, isn't it? It is. It, it's very long. But you know, we, we just need all that information to mm -hmm. see, you know, 
there's thermopesticide. I mean, if you don't ask for it and yeah. you do all this hard work, you know, taking supplements, eating organic diet, but then you just fumigate your whole house and then you go back in the next day. Well, you kind of, you know, undoing all the good work and wasting all your money on all the supplements and all the organic food. So you need to be aware of all these factors that impact impact your health. And I think, I mean, I, I'm assuming, but I, I think most people who work with you appreciate that because you are not the first port of call. You know, they've been having struggles and challenges for a little bit. And to have someone who really asks those type of questions, you feel like, oh, okay, this person's really going to go deep and figure out what's going on with me. Because most people, when they come to you, they're sort of baffled at that point, right? They're like, I don't understand why I can't hold on to a pregnancy. I don't, why is this happening with me? Um, they are baffled, but they can also be quite overwhelmed, you know, when we yeah. start going, okay, your shampoo needs to go, your pesticide needs to go, your diet needs to change. Mm. <laughs> you know, initially they can be, oh my God, you know, it's basically yeah. an overhaul of everything, but that's necessary in some cases. But yeah, they're extremely grateful once they actually understand that that's impacting their health and their fertility and that it makes a difference. You know, it's, it's the little things you do on a daily basis that make all the difference. It's like mm. when you try to lose weight. If you eat carefully every day and you exercise every day, you won't see much improvement from Monday to Tuesday. But from January to July, you will. You know, it's the same thing with your fertility and it's the same thing with your health. It's just repeating those little steps on a daily basis. This is what builds that strong, robust health and fertility over time. Um, absolutely. And I think helping a baby today, maybe preventing cancer in your future by just being aware of all the chemicals that we're exposed to because um, they really add up in our lives. Okay. Thank you so much, Eva. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Charlene. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Hour. For being one of our loyal listeners, we would like to give you free access to a special report called Restore Your Fertility Naturally. Inside, you'll learn about an eight-step, all-natural process that's helped hundreds of couples conceive. This is one of our most popular reports, and you can get free access by going to fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Again, that's fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Go there now, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Fertility Hour.